This is Doug Hastings, Vice President of Moody Radio, and we're thankful for support from our listeners and businesses like United Faith Mortgage. Heading into spring, I've been spending a lot of time pondering, analyzing, and debating something extremely important to men, and even many women, and that's whether a new driver would improve my golf game. I would say I'm somewhere between embarrassing and appalling at golf, but man, do I love it. And all my buddies show up with these epic flash, big Maverick Bertha drivers. And I can't help but feel like they've got this massive advantage on me and my persimmons. It's Ryan. And at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're proud to have a pretty special advantage ourselves. And one that can be a big deal for you. Our team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender. Which means our company uses its own money and makes its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. And this advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, saving monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase. We're much better at mortgages than I am at golf. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed Mortgage Banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. This is Ed Stetzer Live, and we are indeed live, in this case, from Denver. I don't know. It's like it's not really Denver. Where are we, JT? What is it? Oh, Denver. It is Denver. Denver but what's cool. the town? Littleton. Littleton. We're in, we're in, we're in Littleton. Littleton. We're in Littleton. Okay. So we're in Denver-ish, and we're live, actually, for the next several weeks here in Denver-ish. And can I just tell you, Denver is amazing. It's the best. Don't, it's, but don't tell people that. Don't tell people that. Because then they come and live here, and you know when the prices go up yeah. and all it's that It's always sort of cold, rain, rain, you know, windy. You're already hearing our guest here, so it's kind of like the Seattle thing. They pretend it's terrible to live there, but it's really great to live there. We have listeners up in the Northwest as well. Thank you for your listening as well. So, hey, Ed Stetzer, I lead the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, Dean of the School of Mission, Ministry, and Leadership at Wheaton College. And for today and every Saturday, I'm your host here at Ed Stetzer Live. And we are live thanks to the good work of our team. You know, every week our team puts together this program, works hard to do so. Karen Hendren, our producer, Courtney Young, our engineer. And actually today, if you call in, you'll talk to Eric Tidwell. He's manning the phones. Um, but also, too, today we've got the super helpful team here at Cherry Hills Community Church. I want to thank Chris from the team here and the whole team at Cherry Hills. I'm actually preaching here in Denver for the next several weeks and some over the rest of the summer. And so we're going to do our radio show right from here. They have a studio. We're super thankful for able to be here. And we have a guest today, a special guest. Now, JT, I had to tell you, I always say special guest. Everyone's special. I get it. I get it. I don't, what are you going to say? We have like a nominally <laughs> He's just here. I'm just, He's here. He's just, just here. Yeah. But JT, we're so excited because uh, JT is Dr. JT English, is an author, teacher, and pastor, currently serves as a lead pastor of Storyline Fellowship in Arvada. Yeah, Ar- Col- Ar- Arvada. 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 Okay. Like Nevada. Like, like Nevada. Arvada. Right. Okay, sorry. Colorado. Work, used to be a pastor at the Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas, with our good friend and uh, student in our program, uh, Matt Chandler. He is a THM from Dallas Seminary, PhD from Southern Seminary, and he has written a book that we are going to talk about today. Actually, when we have some of our callers as well, uh, we're going to share a few copies of the book. Two callers, not not just people call and say, I'd like a copy of the book, but if you have a good question or a comment and we want to share it with you. So I guess it's kind of, it's dependent upon us whether we want to share, JT. So, But the book is called Deep Discipleship, How the Church Can Make Whole Disciples of Jesus. Now, before I bring in JT, let me tell you that this is, to me, one of the great questions of our day. Mm. And so much of what I've written about in the last few months and years 
has been an evidence of a shallow discipleship mm. where uh, I was on NPR Morning Edition talking about um, Christians kind of uh, attraction to conspiracy theories. And, and it was, you know, NPR's Morning Edition is a very secular audience. And I, I was trying to figure out the words to use. And so I said to the host, because um, he was talking about why are Christians attracted to conspiracy theories? And I said, now this is going to sound a little insider baseball, but as Christians, we believe we need to be discipled. There are some things that need to be discipled in, mm-hmm. and you know we can talk about some of those, and then some things need to be discipled out. And when you disciple some of those things in, some of those bad things go out. Yeah. So how do we move? And let me, let me actually start with you, why it's important, why you wrote this book. Why did you write Deep Discipleship, How the Church Can Make Whole Disciples of Jesus? I tell you, the book resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Tell us your heart. Why did you write it? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So I've been passionate about discipleship. The thing that's really fun about being a pastor back in the Denver area now is this is where I grew up. But I grew up in kind of a post-Christian secular environment, didn't know the Lord. I came to know the Lord at CSU through the ministry of Campus Crusade and began to be discipled. But I started going to a local church, and the local church wasn't discipling me. It was more uh, the nonprofit organizations that I was involved with, like Crew or Bible Study Fellowship, which were phenomenal organizations. But I began realizing, look, all of my friends that were Christians who had been Christians you know, by their own confession by 10, 15, 20 years weren't really following Jesus. And so I went to my pastor, and I said, hey, I, I would like to be discipled. And by that, I didn't even have like the Christian lingo for that. Right. I was like, hey, I just want to know Jesus better. Can you help me do that? And he said, oh, if you, if, you want to, if you want to know your Bible better, you need to go to seminary. And I said, what's seminary? Right, like, sure, That's sure. how far outside. Is that where they bury dead people? Yeah, cemetery. Exactly. Yeah. Cemetery, yeah. great. So I, I didn't know what that was. I went home, Googled seminary, and Dallas Seminary popped up. And I was you know, fortunate that a Latter-day Saint seminary in you know, Provo, Utah didn't pop up. I had nobody guiding me through this That would process. have been really awkward. I would have gotten a different yeah, education. Very much. But all, that, that being said, uh, I went, my, my seminary education for me was a highlight. It's where I grew to love Scripture. It's where I grew to love the Bible. And then I realized, what would it look like for us to take this kind of education – put it into lay formats and give it to Christians to know and love their Bible. And so I think it was Augustine who once said, you know, uh, something along the lines of all, all theology ultimately is autobiography. Like it's part of our story. And so for me, I came to know the Lord in a, in a deep way outside the church, but I had to answer this existential question. Why did I have to leave the church in order to lead in the church? Wow. And I think that's something that, that is, I'm still trying to figure out how do we solve, how do we make sure that people are not leaving our congregations to, to learn about Jesus somewhere else, but rather we show them what a deep abiding relationship with Christ looks like right in the context of our wow. church. Okay. So great stuff. Unpacking this is going to be a real helpful show as well. Because I, let me tell you about our listeners. Our listeners are followers of Jesus. Yeah. Not all actually. Yeah. So, um, so we did a survey for Moody Radio and I was at Lifeway Research and, you know, significant number of people listen to Christian Radio, Moody Radio, who are not yet followers of Jesus, but sure. most are. Many of them are saying, all right, what about my kids? How do I help my kids be, uh, grow deeper in discipleship? Um, yeah. Uh, and, and for me, you know, sharing just briefly my own, you know, I came to Christ, um, brand new believer, uh, and they, w- there's this volunteer youth pastor who's an insurance salesman at our church. And we say, well, maybe we should get discipleship stuff because we heard the word discipleship a lot. Right. Didn't know what it meant. Went to a Christian bookstore. There are many more of them before, you know, Amazon mm-hmm. and went to this local Christian bookstore and found a book called uh, The Cost of Discipleship. And yeah. so I'm 15 years old. And the first book I read wow. on discipleship is Dietrich Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship. It's a good place to start. It, it was, it was a little jarring, but I'm very thankful mm. because it didn't teach me shallow discipleship. That's you know, right. I was a student at the time, and too many student ministries are four-year holding tanks with pizzas. And instead, I didn't know any better. I thought deep discipleship was normal. Now, that's partly what you're calling to. You're trying to call us to the church being that robust place 
of deep discipleship. What would that look like? Or maybe in the case of your church, what does that look like? Yeah, so I'm learning what it looks like at our new church. I've been at my new church, Storyline, only for a year now. But for the last six years at The Village, before I came up to Storyline, we wanted to provide uh, environments where people could learn their Bibles, theology, spiritual disciplines, just right there in the context of the local church. Because so many people, even to use Bonhoeffer's uh, title, have been told that there is a cost to discipleship, which is good. But I want to convince people there's a greater cost to undiscipleship. Mm. Like you're being discipled by something. That That is that is a non-negotiable. You're being discipled by culture. You're being discipled by uh, your friends, your family, coworkers. We're being – discipleship just means what are you learning? What are you being formed into? What image is being formed in you? And the local church, like the whole argument, the whole book, if you were to, to try to sum it down to one point, is this needs to be happening in the local church. And I don't think there's any argument that we would have or many people that I would have with that we would look at the last couple of years of evangelicalism and say, what kind of people are we producing? Yeah. Are we producing the kinds of people that we think we're producing? Yeah, let, me, let me say, they're being deeply discipled. Yes. They're being deeply discipled by their cable news exactly. choices. They're being deeply discipled by their social media feed. That's right. But the church is the place where we want to go deeper. Where we should be doing it. That's exactly right. And so are we willing to take that deep look in the mirror and say, okay, are we forming the kind of people that we want to form? Are we calling them to something? And and one of the things that we realized at, at TBC is that... The Village Church. Yes, yeah, sorry. You got to start using acronyms. We're going to explain them. Yep. The it. Village Church in Dallas. Village Church. I was there, uh, a pastor, teaching pastor there, and loved my time. But we realized that one of our methods of trying to disciple people was actually to lower the bar. Because mm. what we wanted to do is make it accessible. We wanted to make it you know, uh, friendly for them to come in and non-intimidating. And I understand that instinct. But what we realized is, is, is when you lower the bar for people, if you lower it so low that it's not worth doing, people aren't going to do it. And so we wanted to figure out what does it look like for us to start raising the bar to appropriate levels for people to say, this is worth committing to. This is worth your life, that that there is a cost to discipleship, and you need to be here mm-hmm. because you are being formed, and we want to form you into the image of Jesus. Yeah, there's almost a counterintuitive idea. Tom Rainer wrote about this years ago, the High Expectations Church, that when we raise the level of expectation, people often step up to that. Now, I want to invite our audience into the conversation. Maybe you're going to ask, well, how do I grow in discipleship? Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're asking, how can I help my church grow in discipleship? Or maybe maybe just my, my teenager, maybe my young adult, maybe my grandchildren children. Uh, our number is 877-548-3675. So I want to open up to have a conversation with uh, JT English. The book is Deep Discipleship. Uh, I found it a helpful book. It's how the church can make whole disciples of Jesus. And again, inviting you to join us, 877-548-3675. So, okay, so part of your call, your desire is to recover Christian uh, Christian formation, uh, discipleship, education yeah. in the local church. That's and right. I, I love that. Now, you know, you have two graduate degrees. You know, I'm a professor mm-hmm. at a, graduate, a, a college and a graduate institution. Um, so does that mean that we move away from that? Is it a partnership with that? What does the church need to take on? Yeah, uh, there's a few ways I think to think of it. I mean, I'm thankful for my, my graduate education. I know you are as well. I'm grateful for all the ongoing programs that, that evangelicalism is able to offer. But those things should be seen as supplementary, not primary to a disciple's life. And so, you know, and if you if you took 100 Christians, and let's say 100 Christians who are, who are just saying in some way, shape, or form, I desire to follow Jesus at a deeper level, only one or two of them want to go to seminary or Bible college. Right. A huge mass of them are just like, I'm just trying to figure out how to live life. I'm trying right. to learn how to run my law practice or 
you know, take care of my wife, take care of my kids. And so that's where my passion was. What does it look like for us to help the everyday Christian grow in their relationship with Jesus? And one of the primary ways that we tried to recover in the life of the church is it actually wasn't anything innovative or new, but it was just a retrieval of something recently forgotten, specifically Christian education in the life of the church. You know, the big joke was, hey, aren't you just reinventing Sunday school? Uh, And in some sense, we kind of were. There was this huge move towards small groups and community groups, which I'm thankful for. Uh, Christians need to be in deep relationships, genuine relationships with each other. But that needs to be organized around a specific principle of learning about the way of Jesus. When you just look at the New Testament, the basic definition of a disciple is a learner. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, we wanted to recover these educational environments in the life of the church where we told people, here's how you read the Bible. Uh, Here's the basics of of, uh, the Christian faith in terms of basic beliefs like the Apostles' Creed, who Jesus is, who God is, who we are as image bearers. Because I think you could make the case that over the last few years, as we've seen some of the challenges that evangelicalism is facing, a lot of the problems could be fixed if people had a basic understanding, for example, of image bearing. Mm. What does it mean that every single human bears dignity and value and worth simply because they were created by the Lord or or even a healthy doctrine of sin, healthy doctrine of salvation? And so but we didn't want to talk about it in those terms. We wanted to talk about it in terms that like one of my one of my favorite uh, stories uh, for the for the, uh, our time at the village was the person who was most committed to these environments wasn't because I kind of thought we're going to get the seminary nerd types, the people who want to go do you know THMs or PhDs, and this is their foot in the water. But actually, what we found is is it was the sixty two year old grandmas yeah. who love these environments, or the mom of five who said, "I've never had access to this kind of content." So in some sense, we were democratizing yeah. uh, what had only been available to the maybe spiritually elite, and now we want to democratize it for everyday Christians. Fascinating. Okay, good. So we're going to, in fact, Tom, actually, I see your call. We're going to go to Tom in Cleveland, Tennessee in just a moment because this question perfectly follows up with yours. We're also taking your calls about discipleship, about the church's role, maybe about your own journey in discipleship as well. Our number is 877-548-3675. Here with JT English talking about his new book. Well, not just his book, his passion for deep discipleship. 877-548-3675. Here on Ed Stetzer Live. I'm Ed Stetzer. We'll be back. And you don't want to miss it in just a moment. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live. We're talking to JT English about deep discipleship, really the church's role, recovering the church's role as this disciple-making community, raising the bar on discipleship and more. And I loved it. I love the book. I love the emphasis that's there. We're going to go to uh, Tom. Tom's in Cleveland, Tennessee. That's the center of the Pentecostal universe. You probably didn't know that, JT, but Tom knows that. We're so, learning. Tom, hey, Tom, you're live on the air. Go ahead with your question or your comment. Uh, thank you. Thanks for taking my call. I enjoy your program. And uh, my question has to do with discipling older Christians like me who uh, were not discipled at a younger age and it wasn't just that it wasn't done to us. We didn't put in the effort ourselves to. to, At this point in time, what can we do? And particularly concerning is that it seems really frustrating that my brain doesn't work as well as it used to. And Mm -hmm. uh, so memorizing scripture and, and stuff like that is a is a real chore, and uh, seemed like a. I feel like I'm Gus McRae and Lonesome Dove. He had some knowledge of Latin in the past, but it says it all dripped out of his head one letter at a time. 
Nice, nice. <laughs> well, Tom, let me just say, what a great question, and what uh, I love the passion that's there. If you'll if you'll hold them on the line as well, uh, my producer will get on the call, and get, and while well, you can actually listen to JT's answer, but we'll get you a copy of Deep Discipleship. I think we, you'll hear JT's answer first, and then we'll jump on and give you that. So, J, JT, yeah, but you just mentioned a sixty-two-year-old woman yes. who is your who is your favorite, you know, engager of this discipleship process. Tell, what, do, what did you say to Tom? Yeah, first of all, Tom, I I think your question is awesome, and I wish you were at my church. <laughs> yeah, like goodness, I just like. I think you you are 98% of the way there. Just the fact that you have a desire to grow in your relationship with Jesus, I mean, that is that is a huge part of this. You know, as I was writing the book, one of the verses that the Lord kept putting on my heart was Habakkuk 2.14, where it says that one day, the, the prophet is writing Israel, and he says that one day the knowledge of the glory of God is going to cover earth the way water covers the sea. And I, I thought to myself, that's a, such a strange word picture to say, I mean, what does it mean for water to cover the sea? And it's this idea that... One day it's going to be everywhere. And so, Tom, the, the encouragement that I have for you first before I hopefully give you what's a more practical answer is that one day the knowledge of God's glory is going to cover you, that you're going to get to enjoy the triune God's fellowship and presence forever. And deep disciples are the ones who, just like you, are saying, I don't want to wait for eternity for that day. I want that to start now. And so if you have the Holy Spirit, if you have a copy of God's word and you have a community and fellowship of believers around you, then you have everything that you need to begin. Now, I would just encourage you, start simple. Start by reading the Gospel of John or start by reading the Gospel of Matthew and and just have a daily rhythm, a daily practice of reading this material. And those are the things that the Holy Spirit uses to bring maturity in our life. And so, uh, and then maybe you work your way up to reading the Bible in a, in a year where you're reading two or three chapters a day. One of the things that I talked about in the book as well is that we can't ask too much of people too soon. Like, uh, I'm not much of a runner, but I, I used to be. And I, you know, if you would have told me, JT, you need to go run a marathon, I simply couldn't have done it, but I could have run a couch to 5K and then maybe a, maybe a 10K and then a half marathon. And so, Tom, I think I would encourage you do some self-diagnosis. Where are you right now? And what would it look like for you to take some just basic steps towards towards working uh, and into developing some rhythms and habits into your daily life? That's so important into your daily life that help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, like reading scripture, prayer, meditation, and fasting. Yeah, one of the things I found about the book that was kind of interesting was you sort of were trying to have it both ways, mm-hmm. is that you want the church to go deeper, to have this robust discipleship plan, but there's clearly an on-ramp has to be. that you're trying to make, you know, don't overwhelm people right. sort of at the beginning. So how do you balance those things out, right? Because people are listening right now and... You know, if they go to the, the store and they buy the cost of establishment by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and you know, it might be a little overwhelming. Too much, yeah. Um, and it probably was for me, but I didn't know any better. That's right. Uh, you know, you're 15, you got lots of time on your hands yeah. in high school trying to figure out your life. So, so I mean, what's the dual message here? Start somewhere and grow from there, or what do you think? Yeah, that's that. That that is really, I think, the tension I'm trying to walk yeah. in and try to help other churches that. and Christians. Yeah. And so, in in one sense, like so much so much of our discipleship material uh, in 2021 actually creates a sad satisfaction for what we think we already know. Like it's just telling us, hey, you already know these things. Just do this next study and you're doing just fine. What I don't want, and I don't want that, but what I also don't want to do is raise the bar so high that people are, um, oh gosh, just discouraged. Right. With, with, like, and they say, ah, I can't do this. This isn't yeah. for me. So really the word that I used in the book and that, that some of my colleagues uh, taught when we talk about this, we use the word dissonance. You want to create the right level of dissonance where you're not quite satisfied, but you want more. And so, Tom, since I don't know you personally, my, my encouragement to you is what is that right level for you for you to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to take a step and it's going to be harder. It's going to have to require some muscle work that I'm not using spiritually right now. But don't go out there and try to run a marathon today because then you might get discouraged. So just whatever you're doing now, take one small step to maybe read one more chapter of the Bible a day 
today or, or have an evangelism conversation with your neighbor. Step out in faith. I think that's ultimately what we're talking about here. What does it look like for you to take a step of faith that's going to require you to grow your spiritual muscles into deeper discipleship? Love it. Let's go to Jacqueline in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. I hope you pronounced your name right, Jacqueline. That's my daughter's name, so I've got kind of a default pronunciation. But you can tell me if it's incorrect, but you're live on the air. Sure thing. It's correct. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so you're absolutely right. Uh, you're meeting people where you're at. And every day I share uh, ourdailybread.org online. And I tag my church, Chapel on the Hill in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. And I put 90.1 FM every single day. And nice. I do my daily devotion. <laughs> and it's really about connecting when I'm walking my dog, when I'm getting gas, anybody, everybody who I talk to, I say, hey, do you know Christ? <laughs> and if you don't, right. do you have a minute? <laughs> and you share your story. And I was born and raised Catholic. And, you know, my mom is a born-again Christian who now I'm just, I'm just doing my journey and doing what I can do to bring, you know, make heaven on earth and bring people home with me to heaven. So that's my story. <laughs> Oh, and I got to tell you, we—I love that story, Jacqueline. If you'll stay on the line too, first of all, just because your name's Jacqueline, which is the m- most <laughs> awesome name ever, because my middle daughter's named Jacqueline. But we want to give you a copy of JT's book, Deep Discipleship, as well. Bye. JT, I mean, she talks some, and, and thank you for the call. She, she talks some about that ongoing connection with yes. God and with others. How yes. central is that? It's it's absolutely key. At the end of the day, discipleship can't be programmed. I think about John chapter fifteen. Jesus is calling us to simply abide in Him, and so much of discipleship is patterning our lives around the ministry of Jesus. And so when he says that you can do nothing apart from me, I think that's what I want like tattooed across Christians' faces. Like we, we are the people who are saying, we can do nothing apart from just, just so we're clear. Moody radio is not encouraging. Yeah, to get we're a not tattoo. doing tattoos. But anyway, got it. <laughs> no, no actual tattoos. But like, I just want that to be what we think about when yeah. we think about walking with Jesus. We're simply abiding in him on that. a daily basis. I love that. And I think it was so much what Jacqueline's just getting. I love, I love that as, as well. By the way, Tom asks if he reads the book, it will be able to talk as fast as you do. Oh, Tom. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that, Tom. Hey, thank you for your call. Tom, Tom's uh, a regular listener. And so we appreciate, uh, Tom as well. All right. So, so here's a Walter in Riverview, Florida. So Walter, you're live on the air. Go ahead. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Thank you so much for your call and everything that you're doing. Um, and, and forgive me a little bit cause I, I, I have trouble with names and so forth. So I'm a combat wounded vet. I am, uh, actively seeking after God. I'm gonna try to keep the context very short. Um, so my frustration is part of, uh, of the, the, your guest, your, who wrote the book. And I, please forgive me for, for not no, no worries at all. J, JT, um, JT English is his name. No worries. JT. All right. So Mr. English. So my frustration, I, I can completely relate to you as far as the training, quote unquote, individual. So kind of like in the military. So we have basic training, right? So basic training, mm-hmm. you, this is our language. This is our spirit. This is our values. This is our culture. This is how we dress, so on and so forth. And then after that is the individual training where we learn our job. And then on our job, we grow and so on and so forth. So to put it in context of a local church, right? Um, what is our uh, piece, the piece is missing. Uh, what is our language? What's our spirit? What's our value? What's how do we dress? How do we look? So on and so forth. And then here's what a leadership position looks like. And I am—I happen to be in a couple of different leadership positions. My frustration lies with I am expected to have a standard and 
train, right, and reproduce myself, which when you are discipled, you're supposed to make disciples. Yep. But I really, there was really wasn't that training, um, yeah. perhaps because my leadership that I replaced didn't have that training as well. But right. there's this frustration of how that conversation takes place and how do we then um, start that cycle of, hold on. How do let, we start the cycle? Okay. Let, let's go back to basics. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Let's, let's, let's have JT weigh in on that. Walter, super great question, but stay in the line too. So we can give you a copy of JT English's uh, deep discipleship, but how, how do we get to that cycle? Yeah, that's a great question, Walter. I think ultimately, and this is, I don't know, I hope it's not an unsatisfactory answer for you. I really want to help, but it just has to start. Like if you're in some sense, not quite as satisfied with the training that was given to you. And now you're in a leadership position and you're trying to train others. First of all, I resonate with that. You know, we're always uh, sometimes put in places where we don't feel quite adequate or qualified to do what God's called us to do. But I think the passage that comes to my mind is Ephesians chapter four. You know, one of the, one of the some of the language we use at my current church now is that is that our our ministry staff can get fired for doing ministry and by that what we mean is 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 the the church's primary calling isn't necessarily to do ministry but Paul tells the Ephesians it's to equip the saints mm. for the work of ministry. Yeah. And so what I don't want to do in my church or in my leadership, or, or Walter, I'd encourage you this, is we don't want to make ministry like professionalized only, that it's only the spiritually elite, the people on the stage, people with microphones who are doing discipleship. But it's actually my job to equip my congregation to do ministry in the life of our church and also in Arvada, Colorado. And so, Walter, I would just say for you, your job as a leader in your church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And part of that, as you're doing that, that's how God is going to equip you as well. Yeah, okay. So let me press a little more on his question, too, because I really, I think for him, just as he was expressing it, part of it was there's this frustration that we're not seeing the kind mm -hmm. of cycle of rep, rep, reproduction of disciples and more. Um, so what's the best way to get or give that kind of better biblical training and discipleship. Uh, when you wrote this book, you were at the Village Church, yeah, yeah. Um, and but you're seeking to apply this now at Storyline Church in the Denver area. So here's, you know, he, Walter's not necessarily a pastor. Right. So what's the best way for him and his sphere of influence at his church to, to uh, give or get better discipleship training? Yeah, that's again. So, Walter, you're never going to be at a place where you feel totally qualified. Ed, do you feel totally qualified? I do not. Yeah, every day <laughs> I don't. Either. Yep. And so, you, there's no like program that you're going to graduate from or book that you're going to read that is finally going to make it click. Uh, one of the one of the phrases we would use it at the Village Church when we were talking about this is is twofold. First, every disciple by definition makes other disciples. Uh, just baked into the definition of being a disciple of Jesus means that you're discipling other. Christians or other people con converting people into Christianity. But maybe a simpler way of saying that is, is Walter, I would ask you this simple question. What are you learning and who are you teaching it to? Uh, Jesus is teaching you something in your life right now, whether that's through a program, a class, a curriculum, or just life experience, maybe suffering you're walking through and Jesus is teaching you. And my question for you would be, what are you, who are you teaching that to? How are you replicating and duplicating yourself in the life of other people? Good. In, in a little less than a minute, tell us what are the three elements of discipleship? Yeah, so we, we talked about this in the book. The scope is Bible, beliefs, and spiritual formation. Yeah. These are the core elements of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We want to know our scriptures. Uh, we want to participate in. The, the, the Bible is not a story of a different world. The Bible is the story of this world, of what Jesus is doing today, 
We want to know the foundations of the faith, of who God is, who we are as image bearers, what sin is, and then spiritual disciplines, things like prayer and fasting and meditation. So those, I think, are the three core elements of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Yeah, I want to pack those more in just a moment. I want you to stay with us because we're having an important conversation about discipleship. We're having the conversation around J.T. English's book, Deep Discipleship, How the Church Can Make Whole Disciples of Jesus. We're taking your calls at 877-548-3675. Maybe you want to know how to take that next step of discipleship. That's a passion of a Moody. Again, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back. Um, Ed Stetzer here. Ed Stetzer Live. We're here with JT English taking your calls about discipleship. Actually, you're in and around his new book, Deep Discipleship. Love the title. Subtitle is How the Church Can Make Whole Disciples of Jesus. And I think in a, one of the realities of our day, JT, is we're in a crisis of discipleship. Again, yeah. people are being discipled by their cable news choices, spiritually shaped by their social media feed. And it's playing out on social media. And man, I just want to say to folks who've been shaped by that way, there's another way, the way of Jesus, the way of the scriptures, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and more. JT, if just joining us, JT is an author, teacher, pastor. He's the lead pastor in Storyline Fellowship in Arvada, California, Colorado. See, my but California would be great too. Yeah, but kind of, it's, it's no Colorado though. <laughs> no, it's not. But Colorado's terrible. You don't want people to move here. No, right? nobody here told please. me. Exactly. <laughs> but it is amazing in Colorado. I uh, used to be at the Village Church, wrote that uh, while he was there at the Village Church. Some of you would know the name uh, Matt Chandler. Uh, and now he's uh, serving here at Storyline Fellowship in, in Colorado. So we are, are actually live from Cherry Hills Community Church, where I'm filling in some preaching for them. And so he drove up, and we got to hang out and have this conversation. He has a THM from Dallas Theological Seminary, PhD from Southern Seminary as well. So we've got a lot of good calls on the line. So let's uh, let's jump into some of those calls as well. Tim from Minnesota. Tim, you're live on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, we uh, have kids that we love very much, been born into them, go to church on a regular basis. Um, we uh, have Bible studies with them on a regular basis. You know, to me, it's it's kind of about creating that love, that hunger for God. And, you know, it, it works, but, you know, I don't know if we're in the great falling away. I don't know if there's we're in the period of a strong delusion to believe a lie before Jesus comes back. But it's it's crazy hard, and it seems like, all that we're pouring into them isn't necessarily having the effect we really want it to. Just some hints would be great. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, man, what a great question. Okay, and I just say, too, hang on the phone, hang on the line, Tim, because we're going to give you a copy of his book, JT's book, Deep Stop Ship. Good. Yeah, first of all, I, I, I just love these questions that are coming in. You yeah. have a great audience. I do. <laughs> I do. We love the Ed Sister Live audience. They're just, they, these, are, these are wonderful questions. And so I resonate with that. I've got a, uh, it sounds like my kids might be a bit younger than yours. I've got a six and a three-year-old at home. And every day, I just pray that the Lord would move powerfully in their life yeah, through I his just, Holy Spirit. I just, I just want to say, Tim, I'm not sure we want to listen to anybody who has a six and a three-year-old <laughs> and get exactly parenting right. advice. We want to listen to someone who's, who's got a 25-year-old. That, that's exactly that they right. made through that was my non-caveat yeah, caveat exactly <laughs> um you know but so, you are doing it in church life I and mean, this is yeah. something where thousands of kids walk through the disciple making path that you were helped part of yeah. creative at the village church and more so let's talk about it generally yeah, yeah that's exactly right and i'm actually going to steal some advice from one of my best friends jen wilkin she she's a wonderful mom and she she's helped me think about parenting my kids and even becoming a better pastor and one of the things she says is we, we always want our kids to display a heart for the Lord, but let's use, let's use a different example. Let's think about like my six and three year old. I just hope they're grateful kids too. Like I want them to just be grateful people. So the other day we were at a taco restaurant and somebody brought over some queso and I look at my son and my daughter and I
and say, say thank you. Now, they're not necessarily expressing a heart of gratitude at that point. They're six and three, although they should be grateful because it was really good queso. Queso is worth being grateful for. Queso for the glory of God. Amen. Um, But uh, I I do want them to begin learning those kinds of instincts. And so I think what you're doing, having Bible studies with your kids, teaching them about the Lord, teaching them the story of salvation is great. Because sometimes in the Christian life, and you just mentioned Matt Chandler, my other friend, he, he says it this way too. He says, you know, one of the things we do for our kids is we're putting kindling around their lives, kindling like a fire. You're putting, you're putting wood or hay or stubble and, and you don't get to light the match. You know, that, that's not your job. Your job is not to light the match of the fire if, for Christ in their life. The, the job or the person who does that is the Holy Spirit. And so as parents, I think what we're called to do is to disciple, to shape, to form, to point them to the Lord, to remind them of the Lord's goodness and kindness and, and mercy. But ultimately, we're not the ones who get to bring about new life or repentance or regeneration or a continued walk in perseverance in Christ. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. And so I would encourage you to keep doing exactly what you're doing. Be completely dependent upon the Lord, like ask him to work powerfully in the life of your kids. And I'll pray alongside you that he will. Powerful, powerful. Great, great, helpful answer. Okay, so um, one of the things that we've been talking through is is your book. I'm interested in the response because you, you came out in September of 2020, which might have had is, is it's probably not the best time to talk about, you know, how churches need to structure differently. <laughs> right. I was, uh, you know, cause I mean, that was a peak and all of a sudden, you know, I was supposed to preach in Tennessee at Long Hollow Church for my friend Robbie Gallaty in a couple months, a few months after this, very passionate church about stop Oh yeah. Um, and they'd stayed open through the entire pandemic until the Sunday I was supposed to preach. Oh, <laughs> and so man. I get this text, uh, we're going to close because I had this big surge in Tennessee. So, I mean, so your a lot of your book is written on helping churches engage in that, but at the same time, comes out this time. I mean, it's been so, I mean, everyone I know has been sort of talking about it. You got 231 reviews on Amazon, none of them negative, which I can't say about all my books. Um, and so, so why do you think it was so timely, even though it came out in a pandemic, why are people responding to the message? Well, I, I honestly just think it's the Lord's kindness and providence. So mm-hmm. like I had a moment that was the exact opposite. I turned my manuscript in on March 1st. Oh, and this is like that March 1st, 2020. I, I turned it in wow. the week before the pandemic. Wow. Hit, and I thought to myself, wait a second. I yeah. just told churches to entirely restructure. And now we're in a pandemic. Yeah. Is this book going to be like totally useless? Yeah. Like what is the church going to look like? But like he, here's here's one of the things that I think, I hope, and I pray that is helpful in the book is I really don't think I'm saying much that's novel. It really is a retrieval of who and what the church has this always done. This is kind done. of what church would look like. Yes. In, and again, there's we don't want to go back to the 50s or a lot of things in the 50s they want to go back to. But that robust, now they had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but there was a robust discipleship at multiple levels that we've lost in church life. So when I read your book, I was like, this is a call to the best of what we had in That's the exactly past right. without some of the bad in the Let's past. Let's leave some of that back in the past. Yeah. And it's certainly 1950, but you could also say 50. Yeah, oh, sure. 50, you know, like sure. The, the church yeah. was a church that was just passionate about, you look at like Acts chapter 2, they were gathered around the Lord's Supper. They're gathered around the apostles' teaching. They're sharing life with one another. And that's ultimately what I think this call is to, is like um, the, the, the call to be a deep disciple is this call to say there's nothing more valuable in the world than a relationship with Jesus. And the primary place that that should be taking place is in the context of local churches. I think one of my great laments in this, in all of this, Ed, is, is there are a lot of people who want that. Yeah. Like there are a lot of people, I think there's, there's listeners and even some of the, the the voices that we're hearing this morning saying, I want that. I want that for me. I want it for my kids. Uh, and, 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 but so many people have to actually look outside the church for that. It's, Oh, that was such a recurring message in the book is that this is a church function. Yes. Like this, this has to happen here, not just because I love the local church, but I think it's what Jesus instituted. Yeah. Like this is, 
like for Jesus, the local church is plan A and yeah. there is no plan B. Yeah. And for some of us, that's pretty scary. Like yeah. if you have life in the local church, sure. you're like, you're like, really? Yeah. You sure Jesus? But that's what the Bible teaches us. And mm-hmm. he loves his church. He loves storyline fellowship more than I do. Mm-hmm. He loves moody Bible church more. He loves the village church more than Matt Chandler does. And so when we commit ourselves to his bride, I believe Jesus is going to be faithful to meet us there and shape and form The us. people at Moody Bible Institute would like me to say to you, there's no such thing as Moody Bible I, Church. You know, I said it out loud, said and it out I was loud. like, there we go. There we go. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I was the interim there for four years. It's Moody Memorial to some people. Yes. Because there was a, it was on the outside of the auditorium once, and there's Moody Bible Church because I think of Moody Bible Institute. Moody Church, Moody mm-hmm. Bible Institute, we love JT English. Oh, there we go. But there Thank you go. There you go. Both of them, all of them. Okay. So, um, Beth, South Dakota. Beth in South Dakota. Beth, I've never been in South Dakota, but this summer I'm taking a drive with my 18 year old daughter, taking her to college, and we are driving through South Dakota to see the beauty of the Badlands and Mount Rushmore. So maybe I'll wave at you, but Beth, you're live on the air. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I just couldn't help but think, um, oh, I probably 20, 25 years ago, our pastor called my husband and out and uh, he, by calling us out, challenging us and helping with a couple in our church um, with two young children and asked if we would um, take them on and disciple them. And, wow. um, and that, did that a couple other times. So we have been involved with several people and we would not have done that if the leadership had not called us out. So sometimes I think the church needs to step back the leaders. It's not all up to the leaders to do it, but I mean, there is training, but there's also the calling out and the challenging and saying, you know, we're behind you. You can do it. And uh, that has changed our life. Hmm. Love that. What a great what a great picture of uh, – thank you so much, Beth, for your call. I think we're out of your books, but if we aren't out of your books, Beth, they're going to jump on the line and give you the last one. But Beth's pastor called her – I mean, she, I'm guessing that they're not – you know, didn't mention her husband or her being in vocational ministry – called on her to begin a process of discipleship that changed yes. their lives yes. and the lives of so many others. So when churches do that – and that's a big part of – if you're a church leader, this book is geared towards you, mm-hmm. um, and we want that. Yeah. But the question, too, is is if I'm not a church leader, how can I help impact the culture and shape the culture? Maybe in my sphere of influence, maybe can I speak into my church? What yeah. would you suggest? Yeah, that, again, so one of the things that, I, that I've actually been thinking about since I wrote the book is, is, is things exactly like this, like this comment that we just had, uh, is, is it was – the book is – is written to pastors saying, hey, we need to raise the bar for our people. Right. But Pastors but, and church leaders, I would say, not yeah, to correct you on your, your book's written to, but I find elders would find this helpful, oh, Sunday sure. school teachers. For yeah. sure. Uh, but what would I say to to, to, to somebody who's, who isn't in leadership in right. their church? How do, how do they ask for this? And I'd say the first thing is, is your pastor, I'm, I'm speaking in general terms here, probably wants this for you, yeah. but doesn't know how to do it. Oh, like, that's so good. He's, he's a little afraid. Maybe yeah. if I ask too much, they're going to leave. They're going to go to church down the street. And so in a non-intimidating, non-threatening like way, I would encourage you to have a conversation with your pastor, uh, email him, call him, text him, and say, Pastor, we love you. We love this church. We are behind you, and we want more. Yeah, I, I want to just say, maybe don't start the conversation saying, we don't want to, you know, we love you, <laughs> yeah, but we exactly want to talk right. about something. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You get say, the call, like, are you available yeah, today, Pastor? Exactly. <laughs> call up and say, hey, I have a good, positive conversation that's I want to exactly have with you. Right. Yeah, right. you don't want to traumatize that, no, that we, Pastor. we've all gotten but, that call. But I do think it's – one thing I found – I preached – I think I preached here at Cherry Hills a few months ago, and I said, you know, God's called all God's people to ministry and all God's people on mission – and you go up to your pastors and tell them, equip me. Yes. And don't be afraid. They're not going to respond poorly. No. They're going to respond enthusiastically yes. to that reality. What a dream it is as a pastor to oh. have people come to you and say, hey, I want to be discipled. I, and I will tell you, my, I thought my role as a pastor was to help people going, 
progressive layers of discipleship. So some of our key lay people, I don't like that word, we were actually reading Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology Mm -hmm, together mm -hmm. at that level. And some were just starting to read the Gospel of John. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. Our phone number for our last segment, 877-548-3675. We're talking about uh, Deep Discipleship, JT English's new book. And again, your call is 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back at Setzer Live. We just got a few minutes left. Want to take a couple of quick calls and need our callers to keep those questions or comments uh, brief. Marvin, Grace Lake, Grace Lake, I'm guessing Illinois. You're live on the air. Go ahead. Thank you, and uh, thank you for a, a very interesting program. I just wanted to make a, a comment or two. And well, we don't, Marvin, is, we don't have time for a comment or two, but we have time for a quick question. So go ahead with a quick question if you don't mind. Okay. Well, the, the, the quick question was, uh, how are some good ways of separating faith and politics in uh, what we do as far as the actual act of discipling? We're, we're trying to disciple okay. people in the faith, not in politics, and some, some mm-hmm. good ways to do that. I love that, Marvin. What a great question. Thanks for, thanks for getting right to it. So, um, all right. So you mentioned earlier that we've seen in the last, I don't know, the last few, let's not say, I mean, I'd say last 10 years, one of the questions... I'm actually forming a group of Lausanne, North America, mm. missiologists ask what went wrong yeah. the last 10 years with, um, you know, how we engage politics as followers of Jesus. I mean, there are some, and people, again, we can't go into all the nuances and, you know, the, some have done well, some have not done well. I'm convinced that's a discipleship issue. Am I wrong? And how would you maybe answer Marvin's question, how to disciple in and around those issues? Oh, man, it is absolutely a discipleship issue. And so uh, when it comes to, you think about like Augustine, uh, who, who maybe people on this podcast have never, or a radio show, excuse me, haven't heard before, but he writes this book called The, the City of God, in which he's making the claim that the city of man, our earthly politics matter, but not nearly in so insofar as much as, as God's kingly era, kingdom politics. And so what, what is true about the Bible and true about the claims of Jesus is that they are political claims. Jesus is making political claims saying, I am the king and the Lord over all things. And when Christians pray things like your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're making a political statement where we're saying we desire for God's kingdom to come and for every single party platform, every single earthly political reality to be abolished so that God's kingdom could come. And I think one of the things I would encourage Christians to think about is our earthly politics matter. I think we should be involved. But when they like politics make for a terrible religion. Politics are a terrible religion, whether they're left politics, right politics, or center politics. We cannot put our faith in them. Our faith can only be in the kingdom that Jesus says he is bringing. Yeah, so so there are uh, political ramifications That's right. for, we look to scriptural teachings like we, uh, we're pro-life. Mm-hmm. You know, we believe, you know, life begins uh, that, that at conception, that, that in the womb is, is, is real life, made in the image of God, worthy of dignity and respect. And so are immigrants and refugees in the way we speak of them, worthy mm-hmm. of dignity and respect. And, and religious liberty matters. And, mm-hmm. but, and, and, and so does, you know, ultimately uh, the rule of law. All these things matter. All these have biblical teaching but political dimensions. But I think we would be both pretty clear to say that this has not gone well the way we've articulated some of our biblical views uh, the last decade or so. So what would be when you walk people through, like at the Village Church, Mm -hmm, we were leading there, mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. Storyline, I mean, it's in the middle of a very political season. 
How does that touch into what you disciple? Yeah, so you think about almost every single issue that you just mentioned there has has a doctrinal ramification to it, specifically around image bearing. So we want to teach people about what it means to be an image bearer of the triune God and to reign and rule on his behalf in all places. And they say that every single person who's ever been born has inherent dignity, value, and worth. And that means, that that truth means that on different political talking points in our current reality means you're probably going to have a different – you're not going to find a home completely in one political party. Because we're loyal to King Jesus and nobody else, no political platform here. And so I think I would encourage people to think about how does my doctrine trump uh, every other or, or how does my doctrine uh, you know, oversee every yeah. other commitment that I have specifically? And so that means I can't find a home in any political party. I can, I can vote and I want to be involved. I'm very engaged uh, here in my local community. But ultimately, my allegiance is to a kingdom. Yeah, it's a higher is. allegiance. And I, I saw tweets of something like this. It said, I've seen people leave their church over the, their politics. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen people leave their politics over their church. That's exactly right. And I think ultimately it's, it's a ranking. Now, that shapes all of it. You know, mm-hmm. as someone who, who cares deeply about life, who cares deeply about racial justice, who, who cares deeply about a hundred things that are all biblical teaching, it impacts how I vote. It impacts, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a cultural commentator not, where you're primary local church pastor. So I weigh in on these issues more than I would encourage pastors or church leaders to do. But I do think it is a discipleship issue and spiritually, and I would say Vince Bacote, who you know, but Vince is a professor at Wheaton College. He's written a book called The Political Disciple, which I think frames some of those things out. So what what a, it's a great call, a good, good call, Marvin. Uh, Let's get on to a couple of questions I want to hit with you before we finish. Um, How does the church help its members become disciples? What should that look like? Oh, call them. Call them to a higher standard. Yeah. You, you, uh, local churches, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm kind of beating a gong here, but you just local churches must call their people into more. I think I think pastors and churches are afraid, and we, you'll regularly hear pastors say, ah, my people are so busy, they can't commit to something like that. And that's just fundamentally not true. Our people will commit to unbelievable. Yeah. They'll do CrossFit. They'll yeah. drink kale smoothies. They'll, you know. No, no they won't. I can't do that. A few yeah. of them. But, exactly. you know, they're, they're committing themselves right. to right. They can be very passionate about things. Yep, and, and, they, and they want to do things that matter in life. And, and maybe turn off the cable news two hours a day. Please, please and disciple yourself. You know, get in the Word of God. Get in the community. Those things do make a difference in, in the long run. And I'm deeply concerned that we're being far more shaped by external forces than gospel forces. There is no doubt about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so... How can our churches build congregations to become disciples and not consumers? Because oh, a lot man. of times the consumers are a key issue. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm actually that's what I'll be preaching on tomorrow. Oh, nice. Storyline is, is and, and it's not just consumers. God also doesn't want. He certainly doesn't want you to consume, but he also doesn't want you just to be an audience. God is yeah. calling you to be a participant in His drama of redemption. And so, one of the things that I would encourage you to think about, I, whenever I hear this phrase, it's kind of funny. Have you ever heard the phrase? Ed, uh, you know, back in Bible times. Yeah. Uh, that's today. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like yeah. That's the story of this world. You're not reading a story about a different world. And so for you to realize that you have the opportunity to participate in what God is doing through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in this world today, like wherever you're living, if you're listening in your car, maybe you're listening at home, this is the story that God is playing out, that one day all things are going to be reconciled and consummated under the lordship of King Jesus. And what does it look like for you to see that done in your sphere of influence today? Fascinating. Okay, good. So one last question. Uh, this is from Eva in Forest, Indiana on WGNR listening. Uh, Eva, what's your question or your comment? My son listens to uh, a lot of stuff from deconverted Christians. He says he's an atheist. He's 22. Um, I'm 50. And I'm listening to stuff like Josh McDowell's uh, defense of, of just his books. And we have conversations, but how else can I try to disciple somebody who's not 
friendly with the gospel? Such a great question, Eva. I appreciate just to hear your heart mm-hmm. in that as well. And I, I would say, because it sounds like her son now identifies as a non-believer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I've written that discipleship happens before conversion, but that's con- towards conversion. We're actually yeah. helping people to respond to become disciples. So how can she reach and engage her son? Man, I, first of all, I love your heart in that, and that you, not only are you trying to equip yourself, but you want to see him him reached and engaged with for the gospel. I think the first thing to do, it might sound like a, a simple answer, is I would just really ask you to listen to his story. Like why, why, why is he having this turn of faith into maybe an ex evangelical deconstruction narrative? Because I think that's actually one of the things the church really needs to do over the next few years. And even, even longer, listen to the stories of why people are leaving, not necessarily because we want to change who we are, but we want to hear where have we missed it? Where have we gone wrong? Do we need to repent of something? And I think what that's going to do is afford us the opportunity to have a conversation where we kind of don't have our dukes up with people, but rather just say, hey, tell us, tell us how we can best serve you. Tell us where we've gone wrong so that we can move forward together. So good. So good. JT, you've been a blessing to our audience as well. And thanks for our callers. Some great calls today as well. You've been listening to Ed Setzer Live here on Moody Radio. My guest has been Dr. JT English. He's the pastor here of Storyline Fellowship in Arvada, Colorado, um, but wrote the book when he was at the Village Church, which is just for so many an example of uh, strong church culture of discipleship. Yeah. So let me encourage you, commend to you the book. I found it helpful as well. The full title is uh, Deep Discipleship. How the Church Can Make Whole Disciples of Jesus from B&H, our friends at B&H. And so I want to encourage you to pick that up as well. Uh, as always, let me thank our team. You know, I mentioned them earlier, but, you know, we had a lot of work when we do these things remote. And even before the show, had some technological challenges. Thanks to Chris Thomas here at Cherry Hills. Uh, my team, Karen, Courtney, and Eric working today as well. Tune in next week. I'm going to chat with Elise Morgan on mothering, praying for your children to become the children God designed them to be, a passion for many of us. Your kids are young. My kids are teenagers and above. It's all the challenge of that journey. Here today, today's program again. Go to edstetzerlive.com or the Moody Radio app. And Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.